0: Thank you for checking out the River's Edge Church podcast. We believe that no matter where you have come from or what you have come out of, today can be a life-changing day. Church should not be an obligation to endure each week, but rather a place to look forward to, a place where we can come together in community to grow in our lives. So join us today as we expect something good from our amazing God. I get your Bibles out this morning, and uh, we're going to continue and wrap up this series, uh, Fresh Start, today, and uh, hopefully you've been reading Fresh Start with this and following along. Please tell me some of you've been reading the Fresh Start book. All right, I got three of you. Thank you. Uh, anyway, uh, so we're going to wrap up Fresh Start this morning, and, uh, you know, before we do, I just... I just want to preface what's going on next month. Um, I'm really excited. You know the Lord doesn't usually speak to me in advance about a lot of things, but he told me the three series is the, the three series that I would preach at the beginning of this year, and so we're starting with fresh start and then next month, all month long in February, I'm going to be teaching on community, and um, we have a new series um, starting, and uh, are we ready with that image? Thank you. Um, uh, the new series called Entwined, and Entwined is coming off of last Sunday's message. So that's, that's where we're going to be going with the series is Entwined, about how we're all entwined together and how God has called us all into community. But uh, we had this novel idea, if we're called into community, we should probably practice community. Right? We should probably practice community. Well, how do you practice community? You get together with each other, Right? And so in the month of February, while we're talking about community, small groups will launch in that month. But another thing that we will be doing is this, is in the, in the month of February, we'll put it this way, the doors are opening at 9.30, and we're going to have coffee and refreshments for everybody all month long at 9.30, from 9.30 to 10. And here's what I'm asking you to do. Come at 9.30 and build a relationship. Come at 9.30 and be in community. We're literally, we're going we're gonna to take some of the chairs out of the back. We're going to set up the bistro tables so you have a place to sit your coffee and your donut or your muffin or whatever it is that we bring in. Um, Sloppy Joes. I'm kidding. <laughs> Sloppy Joes for breakfast. I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry. But uh, anyway, it's just an opportunity for us just to come together and spend some time. Because I don't know about you. There's a lot of people that I like to connect with on Sunday, but I got about that much time. And so we're going to purposefully set a half hour aside every Sunday in the month of February to just hang out with each other and be with each other. So I'm asking you, next Sunday, be here, 9.30. The coffee will be on. We'll probably have tea, too. And there will be something good to put in your stomach so you don't have to eat before you get here. And uh, let's just spend some time building a relationship together. Amen? All right, well, since this is the last Sunday uh, on the Fresh Start series, I really was uh, spending some time pranking about this a lot this week. And if you're new to us, then you don't know what pranking is. It's, it's, a, it's a term that I coined that is really, it's a combination of praying and thinking. You think about something and you pray about something, and, and I call it pranking. And so if you ever hear me say pranking, that's what I mean, pray and think about something. And uh, as we've been heading into this this last weekend of this series Uh, I I was pranking really hard, like, okay, Lord, I know where I want to go, but how how should I address this, and how should I go? And through that process, I really feel like what I'm going to give you today has the ability to catapult your fresh start in this new year. And so let's pray, and let's jump in, amen? Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you, Father, that your word is living and powerful, that it is sharper than a two-edged sword, that... Lord, it has the ability to divide between soul and spirit. And, Father, I thank you that it discerns our hearts this morning. And I thank you that it does more than that. It changes us. That as we sit under the word and we receive the word and we bring in the word, it transforms our lives. And, Father, I thank you that uh, as we are on the edge of this new year, as we're coming fresh into a new year, God, that it's a fresh start for so many. In Jesus' name. Amen. A fresh start, we could say, is a new beginning. Or, as we were kids, a do-over. Did you ever do do do-overs when you were a kid? Right? You you know, maybe you're you're playing horse or something, and your shot doesn't go the way that you want. Does everybody know what a horse is? Right? All right. Okay. Um, Or, you know, as growing up, we would play all the way to dark, and we would shorten horse to pig. Right, so we get one more game in, and um, you know we you you'd say, "Oh, come on, just give me just give me a do over, just just give me that do over." And but now as I'm an adult, um, there's a do over that that I really like, and it's a golf term called a mulligan. Right there, you go. Any golfers in the house? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we almost can get a couple of foursomes together. Oh my gosh, it's terrible. You all need a golf. Golf's a spiritual thing. Um, it is. It's really spiritual for me. Um, but in golf, the, a do-over is called a mulligan. And, uh, you know, there's been a few times in my life that I've taken a mulligan. Just a couple. Uh, and what's interesting about mulligans is that usually at the beginning of a golf round, you determine how many mulligans are going to be allowed, right? Like you're playing with a group of people, and you're gonna be like, okay, We'll take a mul- you can have one mulligan on the front nine, one mulligan on the back nine, right? There was one time, uh, if you've ever golfed with me, I have this thing with water, and my balls like water, right? I mean, it's like I tee it up on the tee, and it's almost like it starts rotating itself on the tee to point to the water. It's the craziest thing. I have this incredible ability to hit water, even if it should be impossible and it looks impossible, I will find the water. And uh, <laughs> this one time uh, playing golf up in Portland and uh, playing at this one golf course, it doesn't matter what, it, what name it is because you all won't know what it is, but uh, this one tee box, it, the tee box is here, and then the tee box ends, and there's a small lake, not a big lake, but a small lake It's about 50 yards across, right? And then the fairway starts. And I got up there, and, and the guys that were golfing with me know how I am with water, and they're all just chuckling, they're like, "There it is, there it is." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, whatever." So I tee it up, and I'm like, "There is no way I'm putting a ball in the water." In the water, I'm like, mm. "Do over, tee it up." In the water six times in a row in the water. You know why the seventh one didn't go? Because I picked up the ball and I threw it as hard as I could across that lake. And it made it barely, but it did make it. You know, the funny thing is, is, you know, if you're going to take a mulligan and you're going to take a do-over, you probably should do something different than what you did before. And, you know, that's a mistake a lot of people make with a fresh start, is they get a fresh start, but they don't do anything different. See, we can say that we want a fresh start all day long. And we can say that, you know, it's a new day. His mercies are new every morning. But if we just keep doing the same old thing, it's really not a fresh start. It's really not a do-over. We're wasting our do-overs. That's what happened to me that day in that golf course. I wasted do-over after do-over after do-over after do-over. And you know what, Mama? It just hit me. I think Lou was with me that day that I put six balls in the lake, because I just had this flashback of me driving the golf cart through that flower bed at that <laughs> golf course, and I'm sure it was the same day. Yeah, I had this terrible experience, and then I really will preach the message. <laughs> we, we were golfing, and I'm golfing with my father-in-law, Lou, and I, it might have been the first time Lou and I ever golfed together, and... Um, when I go golfing, I like to golf with people who like to have a good time and don't take it too serious. Because the more lighthearted I am, the more fun I have. And and um, we <laughs> racing golf carts kind of happens once in a while. You know, you want to get in front of the other guy. And you know, golf brings out competitiveness in lots of ways. And and I can't remember. I think it was was it Jerry Reyes. I think it was maybe with me. And uh, we hopped in the we hopped in the golf cart. And I floored it, and we were on gravel, and there's this gravel turnaround like this. And then in the middle of that turnaround, there was a flower bed that had railroad ties around it. And I don't know what happened. I spun out. I turned the cart sideways. One of the tires caught the edge of the railroad tie and and popped up, and it pulled me into the flower bed, and I drove through the flower bed. (laughs) And my father-in-law... Who, a pretty reserved guy and and, and took golf fairly seriously kind of looked at me like you know this is golf this is a refined game (laughs) right we're not mudding we're not four wheeling yeah it was kind of embarrassing and he loved telling that story on me driving through the flower beds but you know if you're going to get a do over if you're like me, you, you really want to do something different, right? Each time I hit a ball in that lake, I wanted something different. But, you know, I obviously didn't do so anything different each time that I hit the ball in. And, and the same is true if we want a fresh start, right? If we're going to take a fresh start, well, well, let's have the courage to do something different so that we actually make the most of the fresh start. And so what I want to show you, first of all, this morning is that really we have a model for do-overs. Open your Bibles to John 3. When Glenn was up here this morning, you said First John, right? Yeah, and I thought you said John 3, and I'm like, and then you said John three fourteen, and I'm going, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's my scriptures. Um, but he was in First John. John 3, the fourth, the fourth gospel. John 3, starting in verse 13, it says, No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I love this because you know what God is saying? God is saying, I love you so much. I love humanity so much. I'm giving all of you a do-over. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to give us a do-over, to give us a fresh start, to start everything all over, to restore things to how God initially intended that we would be in relationship with him. He gave us a do-over. I love that. I'd love to have God as my golf partner. Can I have a mulligan? Yeah, take a mulligan. Hey, God, can I have another one? Yeah, take another one. Can I have another one? Yeah, take another one. That's the character of our God. That he loves us so much that he's willing to give us a do-over. And to pay the price of our do-over. It says he loved us so much, he loved the world so much, that he gave all of us a do-over. Aren't you thankful that God gave us a do-over? Seriously, church, that's three of you. Are you not glad that Jesus gave you a do-over? See, in fact... God is the ultimate do-over, giver. I love what Lamentations says. In Lamentations 3, verses 22 through 23, 3, it says, through the, Lord's, through, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What's great about God is he not only gave us a one-time do-over, he tells us that every day can be a fresh start, that every day can be a do-over. And I don't know about you, I've had some weeks and even some months and I think even some years where I needed a do-over every day. You ever feel like that? You go through a season, like you wake up in the morning like, oh God, don't let today be like yesterday, do-over. And then you go to bed and you get the next morning, okay, God, can I have a do-over? It happened to me a lot when I first gave my life to Jesus. It seemed like every day I was asking, God, do-over, God, do-over, God, do-over, God, do-over, God, do-over, God, I want to do-over. But at some point in our following Jesus, I think all of us go, I'm sick and tired of do-overs. You ever get there? Like, God, I don't want to do-over on this again. I'm tired of doing over on this. I'm tired of this place in my life that continues not to change. And you get tired of asking for the do-over. The great thing is that he never gets tired of granting the do-over. Oh, it's such great news. He's so patient that if you take a thousand do-overs, he's okay. Right? I honestly think that if God was my golf partner, I might still be on that golf course in that tee box hitting balls into the water. But I don't want to do over every day. I I don't want to have to start over every day. I want to make a fresh start and have it really be a fresh start. And in order for us to have a fresh start and really have it be a fresh start, we have to do something different. You know, too many times, you you know what the definition of habit insanity is? It's doing the same thing again and again and again and expecting a different result. Can I tell you that if you keep getting the same result week in, week out, day in, day out, year in, year out, maybe it's time that you change something because you've fallen into a pattern of habit. Yep. Yeah. Habit insanity. You're stuck there. And see, that fresh start comes in making a change. And you know this verse here in John three, you know what it shows us? It shows us a model. John three sixteen, guys, can you put John three sixteen up? I just realized I didn't give you scriptures this morning. I apologize, Gabe. We're gonna see how fast you are back there, buddy. Look at this it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that we could have a do-over. But you know how the do-over comes about? God gave. If God hadn't given Jesus, there'd be no do-over. There'd be no do-over. There would be no fresh start. But because God gave Jesus, there is a fresh start. So you know what this shows us? It shows us that if we really want a fresh start, one of the keys to a fresh start is to give is to give. Remember earlier I talked about a mulligan. (laughs) A mulligan can't be taken. It has to be given. Right? The people that you're golfing with have got to say, okay, we'll give you a mulligan. We'll let you have it. But it has to be given. You can't just take it. If you just take it, they'll stop playing golf with you. And it's no fun to play golf with somebody who always takes mulligans. Because then they get done and they brag how they beat you, and you're going, yeah, but you took 17 mulligans. And I took one. See, in order for us to really have a fresh start, we have to follow Jesus' example. And we have to start giving. And, and I want you to grasp this because I think it's something that people miss when they make a fresh start is they miss the importance of, of giving. See, giving, giving is way more complex and way more spiritual than people think. In fact, I want you to look at Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, Gabe, if you want to pull that up. There we go. This is talking specifically about giving the tithe which is 10% of our income, God's idea, not the church's idea. This is what it says. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, bring all the tithes into the church, into into the local body, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there is not room enough to receive it. Okay, that's a lot of blessing, that you run out of room. But there's four principles that exist here, four things that I want you to see about giving that are really important that you grasp. Number one is that giving was God's idea, not man's idea. Can I tell you that giving began with God? Okay, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Okay, God is the ultimate giver. Giving was God's idea. Some pastor somewhere, some preacher somewhere some guy in charge of some charitable organization didn't think of giving as a way to create revenue. Giving is God's idea. The second thing is giving is a choice. It's a choice. In fact, the Bible tells us that we shouldn't give out of compulsion. In other words, we shouldn't let somebody manipulate us into giving. We should give out of our heart or out of our choice, right? That we should predecide ahead of time that we want to be givers. Right? Giving is a choice. Three, giving empowers the church to make a difference. Giving empowers the church to make a difference. You know, this church can't make a difference without your giving. And as I was writing this this morning, I was thinking about, you know, last week, we had a family member, a church family member that was in need. Some things had happened. Some circumstances came up. They were thrust into a situation that they didn't choose And they had no food. You fed them. We put groceries in that person's cupboard. You did that. Why? Because you brought stuff into the house that we could give out. The gospel is preached around the world as we support missionaries because you give. People at Portland and Portland, at Boise Rescue Mission have their needs met because you give. We gave over $2,400 in change to the Boise Rescue Mission last year. Yeah. And that's because you guys give. Yeah, okay. Come on, that's something to be excited about. I mean, we've helped people have Christmas. We've given people food. We've given people food boxes. We've paid people's rent. We've paid people's light bill. Okay? Okay. And all that happened last year because you give. See, when we give to the local church, it empowers the church. Your giving empowers the church. To what? To do the works of Jesus. Amen? But here's the fourth thing. And, and here's the thing I really want you to grab a hold of this morning. Okay? And this is my, if you walk away with one point this morning, I want you to grab a hold of this concept. Is that giving is spiritual. Giving is spiritual. It has a huge spiritual ramification. Malachi 3.10 tells us that when we bring our tithe into the storehouse, yes, there's provision in the house for the needs that are there. Yes, it's a choice. Yes, it was God's idea. But look what it says. It says, I will open for you the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on you that you won't have room enough to receive it. Do you realize that that if you study that out, that's not just talking about finances. It's talking about your life is blessed in every single way. That's what it's talking about. When we give, there's spiritual ramifications to it. And you know, just on the topic, Glenn, you mentioned the money thing this morning. You know that there's more scriptures on money in the Bible than there is prayer? There's over 800 verses that deal with money. You want to know how to deal with money? It's right here. Hello? You know, it's funny. I, uh, Janet's been on furlough. She was part of the 800,000 government employees who um, are not considered essential. And they say that until the fires start. And then all of a sudden, BLM and Forest Service becomes really important. But she was furloughed, and and uh, I, had a, I had a friend of mine make a comment on Facebook, and what's funny is the Lord's really dealt with me that is, this is this is my year to be bold, and if I can just be honest and transparent, I, I hate conflict, I hate it, I mean, I will avoid conflict with every fiber of my being, and I think it's because of things that happened in my childhood, um, but, it, but it doesn't matter, And and so if I sense there's going to be any conflict, I won't do something, okay, it's a terrible way to live, it's a terrible way to live. And so the Lord really, he, he gave me, uh, I'm sorry, I'm all over the board this morning, church. You, you love me? Anyway, um, it's the end of the fast. I got lots of percolating in me. Anyway, um, I can't keep my mind straight. I just got so much going on. Um, who knows what's going to happen at God Encounter tonight. But uh, he reminded me of Second Timothy 1, seven. It says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And the Lord showed me. He said, he said every time that you caved to fear, you're not operating in my will. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I came to fear all the time. And I'm like, oh, no, I can't do that. And so I really feel like the Lord has, has told me, you know what? You just need to step up, buttercup, and be bold, <laughs> right? And start, start having tough conversations. Start being bolder. Start, start being courageous. Start confronting things that you, you know, and, and, and do it. And so this friend of mine uh, made a comment on Facebook. And if you watch, I love you, man. Um, and welcome, everybody, on Facebook. But um, he made a comment. 800,000 non-essential federal employees by, like, they're not important, so just get rid of them. I was like, hey, dude, my wife is one of those 800,000. And let the the wildfires and the forest fires start and find out how essential her job now is to this nation. And I normally wouldn't do that, and I typed it out and kind of got confrontational about it. And, uh... I'm like, eh, just do it. And so I did it. Totally out of character with me. And, and I wasn't picking a fight. I just wanted to, I, really what I wanted to do is I wanted to put a face on those 800,000 people. Because those people were forced into something they didn't choose. We didn't choose to go without my wife's paychecks. Now, I'm about to get to my point. Through a couple of comments, he goes, I hope you guys are doing okay. Because now all of a sudden it has a face. There are people who don't have the income that they're used to having. And I was able to tell him, it was so great. I said, I said, if we weren't Dave Ramsey people, which is really Bible people, we'd be in trouble. If we hadn't applied biblical practices to our finances, we'd have been in trouble. Okay, we've done everything in our ability to eliminate debt, we've done everything in our ability to have a good emergency fund. We've done everything in our ability to live below our income. And so we had a storm come, and we made it. And we made it. Well, it was because we applied biblical principles. So just a little bonus message. You want to get your finances in order? You want to be in a place financially like you've never been before? Start applying biblical principles. It'll change your life. All right, so that was the message inside the message inside probably the message. But here's the deal. We need to realize that giving is super spiritual. It's a spiritual thing that we do that has incredible ramifications. This is how powerful giving is. The word tells us that giving has the ability to change your heart. Prove it, Pastor. Okay. Matthew chapter 6. Sorry, Gabe. Another scripture I didn't give you. Matthew chapter 6, 19 and 20. Actually, 19 through uh, 23. You ready? All right. It's got it on the scribble. says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal. By the way, does anybody have their Bible open? Uh, Does anybody have a red letter Bible? What color are the words? So that means what? Jesus Jesus said it, right? So he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. I love this because most people read the scripture is, as this. I put my treasure where my heart is. But that is not what the scripture says. This scripture says your heart follows your treasure. Oh, come on, you're missing it right there. Your heart will follow your treasure. In other words, where you put your money will dictate where your heart ends up. So you want to have a greater love for the church? Put your finances in the church. You want to have a greater love for the things of God? Put your finances in the things of God. Where your treasure is, your heart will be. Now, I didn't make this up. Jesus made this up. Jesus is saying, where we put our treasure, that's where our heart's going to be. Your heart follows your treasure. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking about changing the inflow. Remember the inflow of your heart? So the outflow of your heart changes. You want to change the outflow of your heart? Change the location of your treasure. See, let me me put it a little more natural. Natural. I went from the party scene to the church scene. And my finances went from the club to the offering. You want to know why I'm not in the clubs anymore? I stopped putting my treasure there. And when I stopped putting my treasure there, my heart changed. I started putting my treasure in the house of God. And I put my treasure in the house of God, my heart changed and came in alignment with the heart with, 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 the, with the church, came in alignment with the heart of God. Because I started putting my treasure in a different place. See, we need to realize that as we what we give ourselves to, that's what our heart will follow. That's why, you know, we all love our kids, right? How many of you know you put some treasure in your kids? You give, and you give, and you give some more, right? And then they become adults, and you keep on giving. Why? Be, why? <laughs> Honestly, I think it's because you've given so much, you're so in love with your kids, you want to continue to see them blessed. So you keep giving. See, <laughs> giving changes us. Giving changes us. Giving changes you, and it changes me. See, if you really want a fresh start, if you really want a new change, look at what you're giving to. Because where you're giving, your heart is soon going to be behind it. And you know what? We always make giving all about finances, but you know what? God gave you three T's that you can give. Three T's. Three T's that you can give. You can give your treasure, you can give your time, and you can give your talent. You can give your treasure, you can give your time, and you can give your talent. And where you put those three T's, your heart will follow it. Your heart will follow it. See, we get it backwards. We think that I'll wait till my heart is engaged, and then I'll do it. But Jesus says, no, put your treasure, put your three T's in a direction And your heart will follow it. See, if we if we really want to be about the things of God, we'll start giving God your treasure. Start giving God your time. Start giving God your talent. As we do that, our heart automatically starts to come in line. It's a spiritual concept. You know what's funny is the people who love the house of God the most, they're always the biggest givers. Well, are they giving? Because they love the house of God? No, their giving caused them to fall in love with the house of God. The the, the greatest people who are the most passionate about the things of Jesus, they're the ones that give to Jesus' causes the most. Right? They're the ones that are like, I can't wait to give to the guest speaker who comes. I can't wait to give to the missionary. I can't wait to give to the rescue mission. I can't wait. I'm saving up my chains. I'm dropping it in the bucket. You know what I'm saying? I can't wait. Guess what? Your heart starts to move that direction. So there's a Paul Coleism. If you don't know who Paul Cole is, well, it's not a Paul Coleism. It's Ed Coleism. Ed Cole was Paul Cole's dad. Ed Cole is credited with being the father of the modern day men's movement. Um, promise Keeper, who was Promise Keepers, who was founded by Coach McCartney, actually was uh, an understudy of Dr. Ed Cole. And Dr. Ed Cole has little Ed Coleism. So just little things that he always said throughout his life that, once you're around his stuff, they just start to stick. And one of the things that Dr. Cole always talked about is how prayer changes things. And one of the things he loved to talk about is how prayer changes you. Because prayer will change you. And one of the things that he used to say is that prayer actually builds intimacy. Okay? Intimacy is connection. So how does prayer build intimacy? He always said it this way. Prayer builds intimacy three ways. Prayer builds intimacy with to whom you pray, you want a better relationship with your father. Spend some time in prayer. But it also builds intimacy for whom you pray. Right? You, you want to fall in love with somebody. You want a relationship dynamic to change. Start praying for that person. Intimacy will be built. Right. And then the third one is intimacy is built with whom you pray. So to whom, for who, and with whom you pray, you will build intimacy in three ways. Well. well Okay, so how does this do with giving? Do you realize that prayer is actually a sacrificial time that you make? You're giving of your time. You're giving of your time in prayer. And as you give of time in prayer, it changes things. It changes you. There was a, there was a time, a long time ago, before I even really knew about this concept, where um, there was someone I, I, just, I, I just I didn't see eye to eye with them. I, I didn't like him, <laughs> to be honest. Um, it's nobody you know, so. <laughs> um, but, but I really struggled with this person. And, and we all have those people that we struggle with and relationships that are difficult for us. We all have those. And I started praying for this person. And for years as a, as a youth pastor, I always told teenagers, if you're having difficulty in your relationship with your parents, start praying for your parents and pray unselfish prayers, right? Pray, you know the things that your parents need, you know the struggles your parents face, start praying for those things, they're having a hard time in their job, pray for those things. I always told teenagers that. And so I have this this person that I started praying for. And so I started praying for them, and I started praying for them, and I started praying for them. What What was I doing? I was giving time to the situation, right? I was also giving time to the Lord about it. And you know the strangest thing happened. I fell in love with that guy. I fell in love with him. God knit our hearts together. In fact, if you've been in my office, there's a picture in my office that he gave me on my 40th birthday. It was one of my prized possessions. And I struggled in my relationship with him for a very long time until I started praying for him. See, when when we enter prayer from an unselfish perspective, we start investing our heart We start investing our time, and God changes our heart. See, there's lots of ways that we can give. And if we'll be aware of the fact that if we give in a certain direction, that our heart will follow that direction, it has the ability to change everything. You know, you may not be a a particularly compassionate person, To be honest, I've had seasons where I wasn't particularly compassionate. And um, you might want to see that change in your life. You might want to become a more compassionate person. Well, how do I become more compassionate? You start to give in the way of compassion. Like, to, to be honest, a lot of people have issues with the homeless. They do, right? They see him. They want to ignore him. They don't want to make eye contact with him. They don't want to talk to him. Man, I had this friend. Every time he saw a homeless person, he'd pull his car over and just go have a conversation with him. used to drive me crazy. Like, dude, we're going to lunch. It'll just be a few minutes. And he would pull over. And he would, every time. And I didn't get it. But you know what's amazing is I've seen my heart change towards the homeless. Well, how, how's that come to pass? Changing a bucket? Giving to the causes of the homeless? Going down and taking stuff to the rescue mission that we collect as a church and being there and, and meeting people who were once homeless, who are now working in the mission? It changes. Well, what was it? Giving treasure, giving time, giving talent. See, it has ability to change us. So my point's this this morning, if I can try to land the plane, is that if you really want a fresh start, you really want a new beginning, you really want a a do-over, and you want to do something great with that do-over, take a good look. Where's my treasure going? Where's my time going? And where's my talent going? Evaluate those three things and see what you see. Do you see that those things are going to the things of God? Or are they going to other things? So if you wonder why your heart's not for the things of God, maybe it's one of those three. It's just an opportunity to locate ourselves. And I don't mean any condemnation, so please, if you're picking that up at all, please, I, that is not my heart. My heart is that, you know what, if you want to change and you want to grow in the things of God, it's really easy. Just change what you're investing in. Maybe invest more time in the things of God. Volunteer at church, right? Or find a good... God-centered charity and and do some charity work, right? Bring bring your gifts, bring your financial gifts to the house. And you know what? Look at your talent set and say, you know what? I can help the church this way and give that. And as you do that, you'll see that your heart starts to shift. It can't help but happen because Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will follow. So if you want to change the trajectory of your heart, Change the trajectory of your treasure. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for checking out today's podcast. If you would like any further information about Rivers Edge Church, please visit our website at visitriversedge.com, where you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Thank you for listening.